this, a brewery for ants? Hard seltzer kills off a college staple. Smoke straight to the tank. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Let's do our weekly health check. All those who don't have COVID, please raise your hands. Not so fast, Tyler. Low Ty- blow, man. Low fucking blow. Tyler, how are you this week? How are you doing this week? Well, I feel great, except I can't smell shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've had a... That's, if you're Jerry wondering, won the Deadpool. <laughs> not yet, I haven't. <laughs> See how bad this gets. Uh, yes, if you are wondering why we are doing, why it sounds a little bit off this week, uh, uh, Tyler is at home uh, with the plague. Um, so, in an effort to uh, not spread it around, um, uh, he's uh, he's sequestered himself in, at home and is currently uh, binge watching The Sopranos. So, yep, and playing a lot of Xbox. But in my dedication, I took time away from Tony Soprano to come talk beer and keep our listeners happy. I'm uh, I'm I'm also pleased to report, uh, you know, as near as I can tell via the uh, uh, via the uh, 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 the video chat we were doing, um, he also put on pants. So yeah, that yeah. was quite uh, ni- that was quite nice of you. I don't have to sit there and look at your little tiny dingle there throughout all this. So. I mean, I can pull it out if you would like. That's quite okay. Let's never, never, never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking today? I am drinking uh, Dormancy from Balebreaker Brewing Company. It's their breakfast stout uh, with coffee. Yeah. So, How is it? You know, pretty good. Get a nice, good roast uh, coming through. Uh with not being able to smell, couldn't tell you what the aroma would be like, but <laughs> that that occurred to me as I as I was coming home. Like, wonder what Tyler's gonna be drinking. If you know what, if nothing, I feel like you're missing an opportunity to just like sit down in a in a chair, crack a natty light, and go. I'm drinking this because it fucking doesn't matter. I can't smell shit. I can't taste shit. This might as well be fermented toilet water out of Wrigley Field after a double header. For all I care. Oh, I do got some bush light in the fridge, the corn cans. Uh, but my buddy, uh, he had came down a couple weeks ago and brought some of uh, this beer for me because he stayed at my house. And so I hadn't had a chance to crack into it. So I was like, you know what? Perfect time for it. Excellent. I've got uh, from Off Color Brewing the Beer for Ball Games. Uh, we talked about their uh, Beer 4 series. Oh, but, oh, last season. I think it was the second to last or last uh, uh, episode of last season. So I was exploring. Second to last, I want to say. Um, so I got beer for ball games and coming up in a second, beer for brunch. So I had to start off with beer for ball games. It's a uh, an American cream ale. The first thing I noticed is that poured very hazy. Like, if I if you just brought this to me in a glass without any explanation, my, my, my impression would be hazy IPA. I mean, it's that it's in that level of haze. Really? I was going to say, you're the beer judge. Uh, is that level of haze allowed in a cream ale? Um, it's, it would be a point against it. Now, it, you know, on a BJCP um, event, uh, appearance is only three points out of the 50. So, um, okay. you know, it's not... 
uh, it might in a in a competition. Uh, you know, a, a haze might be the difference between two otherwise extremely good beers, um, but it's not a killer in and of itself. So um, at most, it would drop it from like a gold potentially to a silver. Right. Yeah. You know, especially if there's if yeah, if they're two really good that score very high, that might be the the, the point that uh, that uh, uh, takes it down. Otherwise, really nice, clean, uh, really nice, clean beer like corny you know hoppy flavor it's got it's got a little bit more hops but yeah nice easy drinking nice easy drinking beer it is indeed a beer for ball games perfect so i think i remember seeing them talk or post about that one and they wanted you know something lighter but not like a corn lager and so they were trying to go pre-prohibition style if i remember correctly I mean, it definitely has more of a hop kick. There's a, definitely a piney, herbaly kick right at the back that um, almost might be a little excessive for the style, but still, it's still quite nice. Nice. Well, shall we jump on in? I think we should. Tyler, what do you got for us today? Well, we're going to hop into the best time of year, fresh hop season. Ah, see what you did what? there. See, hop being, you know, the type of plant that we use to flavor beer, and hop also being to, you know, jump a short distance. Ah, you're a cl- you're a clever guy, Tyler. That's that's why I picked you to be on this podcast. Bar must have been low. Uh, <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> uh, but found uh, an article from Food and Wine uh, talking about how there's. Brewers are starting to run into effects of smoke taint uh, on hops, similar to issues grape growers have uh, on the grapes in a heavy wildfire season. And if you've lived in the Northwest this summer, you know the wildfires and the smoke have been unbearable and made going outside nearly impossible for most of the year. Uh, fun fact, I believe that's uh, a smoke taint is uh, uh, actually the pet name for Tyler's underwear after camping season. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you love that taste. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not after I made that reference. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy t- thinks of it as fine barbecue. Oh, uh, Christ. <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna uh, be able to eat a hot dog on the grill for like a year. Uh, my taint's more like brisket. Okay, thank you very much. All right, will you just go ahead and keep keep going while I throw up in my mouth a little bit? Uh, so on Tuesday, uh, this is an article from Food and Wine by Jalisa Castralde. Sure, butchered that name. I'm very sorry, Uh, but she talks about how on Tuesday, Fremont Brewing announced that it was finally ready to release this year's Couchy Canyon Fresh Hop, and it's Hazy Couchy Canyon. I always butcher the name. Jeremy, how do I pronounce the name of that? How do you pronounce the name of that I always heard it pronounced Koichi Canyon. Koichi. Works for me. So the Koichi Canyon Fresh Hop and the Hazy Koichi Canyon both got delayed um, because of hop taint in the hop or smoke taint in the hops, 
uh, from the heavy wildfires this season. Um, with this, they actually talked about how the fires had already burned almost a million acres by mid-August um, with Washington, Oregon, and Idaho having most of the country's hop productions. Uh, it's going to be a, effect, a ripple effect felt by a lot of breweries. Um, with this here, uh, the beer didn't end up meeting their standards because of the tank. Um, they said about 2,000 pounds of their 37,000 uh, pound hop harvest had been damaged by smoke tank. Ooh. Ooh. I mean that makes. Yeah. I mean that's not that's not just fresh hops. I mean that we're 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 seeing we're seeing the immediate effect right now because fresh hops. I mean you take them directly off the vine, put them directly into the beer. But this is this is going to go beyond fresh hops. This is this. Uh, I, I I imagine um, hop prices are going to start going up. Well, and I mean, does it gets to a point where it's not even about hop prices? I mean, it's going to be a factor as well, but. Uh, just being hops that you just can't get for you know any price full stop. You, they just don't have yeah. enough. Um, he said you can see some of the damage in the hops. They're yellow instead of that bright green character. Um, and he's said it's immediately you can notice it. It has a different aroma. So they spent the weekend centrifuging the hops, trying to remove the lingering smoke character so that they could use them for the release. It I mean, worked. Oh, did that dumb question that that aroma? Is it smoke? I mean, is that that they literally just get the where the, the hops literally just smoked? I I honestly think so. It doesn't dive into the what the aroma was, uh, but I'm assuming it has to. It's got to hold on to kind of like your clothes after going camping when you get home and you smell yourself. Hence your nickname. Got it. <laughs> uh, but I found it really interesting and I couldn't really find anything on the science of why centrifuging the hops pulled the smoke out. Uh, well, didn't I know if you would know or. I, I mean, if the problem is literally, you know, like little particulates on the hop, you know, it'd have the same effect on, uh, you know, getting removing that as, you know, a, a dryer centrifuge or a you know, washing machine centrifuge, if you will, removes water. You just put it in a you put them in a in a spot in a some kind of container that's, you know, mesh or, you know, um, or a material like that. And you spin them until um, the contaminants just literally fly off is the only thing i can think of i mean especially if you're dealing with fresh hops because you don't have them you don't have them ground for pellets um yeah um so that would be the only thing i could think yeah you know, thing i can think of unless there's some other unless they're using a hop oil or something and then I, there's we're beyond my understanding yeah huh i'll see but when I, I think, can actually socialize again, see if I can talk to some people in the industry and see what would but I feel like it would be go happening to past make that. just like particulates on the flower itself because it would it strikes me that it would I don't know be in the hop itself. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
But anyways, that's how they were able to get the hops salvageable to make the beer. Uh, but he did express some concern and said, this isn't going to be a one-time thing. We will see this next year. Uh, he said, with climate change, uh, we don't know if it's just this particular harvest or if this is going to be a yearly recurring thing, another basically process you have to put fresh hops through uh, because of wildfires and climate change. Well, we've had, I mean, we've had shit uh, fire seasons before, um, and I, di- I, I don't remember it affecting the hop harvest to this um, extent. Uh, there, there is something different happening right now because we are we, you know, at at late September, uh, early October, we ought to be, you know, in the right in the middle of uh, fresh hop season. This is usually when you know they have all come in. You know, they kind of they kind of trickle in and on a bell curve, and right here would be like the tip of the bell top of the bell curve. Right now, um, we are just starting to get um, the fresh hop beers. Uh, Fremont's Farm to Ferment. Uh, only came out a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, a I week ago, a week ago. A lot of the fresh hops are still another week or two out because of the drought in the Northwest. It actually pushed back the harvest. Um, Occidentals, their fresh hop Pilsner was the first fresh hop. They actually kind of came out on schedule, although I don't know if it was the smoke or what, I or cognitive dissonance or whatever, but it just, I don't know, it... Last year, their fresh hop pilsner was just off the charts. I loved it. I drank the shit out of it. This year, it's good. It doesn't hold. It's, there's something that doesn't doesn't hold my attention like that beer last year did. So I'm not. Again, that could just be me. Um, yeah. And um, I'm not. And I'm not picking up smoke on anything. Um, uh, the fresh hop beer from Lumberbeard. We got that one in. Um, they use fresh Sabro. Um, uh, it was just really, really um, astringent, um, and I don't yeah. think that. And I don't know if again that may just be how they are doing it. It may have nothing to do with uh, a a excessive fire season. Although Fort George's, it just came out today, or we just got it today. It just came out this week. Um, it's exceptionally good. I like the. It's their first yeah. attempt at a fresh hop. Uh, but. With this, uh, they talked, the article interviewed uh, an, the administrator for the Oregon Hop Commission. He said they don't have enough experience with wildfire exposure on hops to know what to expect. Um, maybe it will carry the smoke and a, will carry through on the aroma and flavor, and the beer will be off because of it. Maybe nothing will happen. They're not sure. Um, they talked to an Oregon State brewing chemist. Uh, and just he said they can use grapes and wine as a guidepost, but they truly don't know how the hops will react to prolonged exposure to smoke, where if it'll translate really to the beer. I was just uh, remembering um, one of our local breweries, Bear Island. Um, um, the owner there, Beth, she always likes to uh, to find 
some something new to you know take a to take a style and do something new and for fresh hop um she uh smoked her smoked her hops and she did it i mean she did it on purpose she actually put her hops in a smoker and i'm suddenly thinking they're thinking thought she was uh, uh uh she thought she was crazy it looks like she was a trendsetter she was just brewing <laughs> beer for the coming apocalypse <laughs> Yeah, I, I did think about that. I was like, well, I have had a smoked fresh hop beer. So <laughs> it turns out she was on to said like, look, I've been we've been brewing beer with smoked uh, hops since, you know, 2018. We are ready. <laughs> we were brewing it before it was cool, losers. <laughs> before it was cool or necessary or the only choice you had. I was going to say or before pretty soon, everyone's going to have a smoked fresh hop. It's just gonna be how they brand it now. I mean, I've I've sort of made peace with the idea that summers here in Idaho are gonna be smoky and awful. It's just summer. Summer's gonna be like late July, August. It's gonna be kind of like uh, late January, February, where you just don't go outside. At least at least in the winter, though. I'll go skiing. You can't even do that when the Got, I was gonna say can't even go outside when the uh, when when the air quality is you know basically a pack of lucky strikes with every breath. I mean, August every year in Idaho has always been pretty smoky with wildfires because it blows right up from California. We get the people moving here and they bring the smoke with them in little bags. But but when it rolls in in June. The best part about living in Boise and the Treasure Valley is the summers. And disagree, but go on. <laughs> summers are going shit. out and is a shit. Going season. out and experiencing the summer, the spring, the fall. But when you just have smoke, yeah, this the whole was time dog it shit. ruins it. This summer was fucking dog shit. So you know. Uh, we should try to probably try to fix this whole thing, but we're not gonna. Uh, well, Jeremy, what do you got? All right, fucking millennials kill keggers. News now. Um, How do I teach these kids? <laughs> uh, Tyler, as our resident frat boy correspondent, I assume you have tended a keg party or a kegger, as it were, in the parlance of our times. Uh, just, just like a baker's dozen or ten. <laughs> any uh, any particularly good ones or good stories or any uh, come any come to mind? I, I guess mean, I've made some good money off having keggers. Were they a big thing at uh, at Boise State when you were there? They were decent. Uh, the the whole hard part, especially when I was in college, Boise State. Or Boise PD thought they were on God's mission to end underage drinking. Um, when you were clearly on so, God's mission to promote it. Yes. Uh, and so when they were on the mission and really trying to enforce it, kegs kind of took a back seat because it's an open source of alcohol that can be tied to one person. Um, and so any you can get a contributing ticket for every underage person there that's drunk. Fuck. So the, they there was a couple years where uh, they weren't super popular, and then one of the houses I lived in, the cops never busted any of our parties. They'd just tell us to turn down the music because our neighbors were partying with us. 
And to quote, they go, we know you guys are always respectful. You guys are just trying to have a good time. We're not here to ruin that. Just be quiet. Nice. Who'd you have to- and I was like, holy shit. Say, who did you have to bribe or give a handy in the back of a squad car for that deal? I don't know. It wasn't me, but whoever did it, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and then I moved out of that house, and they said, we're glad the guy with the megaphone moved out. And I was like, dick move. Dick move. That's a whole other story we may have to get to uh, at another another time. My, I, when I was in college, uh, freshman year, um, we managed to um, sneak a half barrel of, I'm guessing, Natty Light or some shit beer. We managed to sneak a half barrel into the second story of this dorm and have a keg party in the dorms without anybody noticing. So, that a kid. That was quite fun. It was, you know, for what I remember. I gained a little respect for you on that story. <laughs> to be fair, my contribution was uh, a, a portion of the keg and being a lookout while they, uh, while they fucking hauled this godforsaken keg up the flight of stairs. Much easier going down, though. Um, but <laughs> A little lighter. A, lot, a little bit lighter. Um, among uh, uh, other questionable post-adolescent activities associated with college, which include, which do include but are in no way limited to starting a band, getting a tattoo of your latest hookup's face on your back, butt chugging, or getting stuck doing coke in a bathroom with some douche who won't shut the fuck up about what Kurt Cobain was really trying to say in Heart-Shaped Box and trying to find a socially acceptable means of escape while at the same time really, 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 really wanted to do more coke. College is a magical time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, that laugh might also be a little bit biographical. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy, I didn't know you went to the University of Tennessee and were butt-chugging Franzia. <laughs> Not the butt-chugging thing. <laughs> oh, it's thanks to YouTube I'm, I'm aware of, aware of butt-chugging. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Dave Infante noted that, um, that all of the elements... The one might need to throw a decent kegger uh, these days are out of fashion, either because of beverage choice, uh, the current pandemic, which is you know still a fucking thing, people. Tyler's proof of that. Um, or just how the culture has moved. Um, he looked at uh, college culture from an outsider's perspective and asked the question, are keggers still a thing? Um for a start, the Greek life culture that is idolized by movies such as Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, Old School, etc., etc., um, has fallen out of favor in a lot of colleges. And the idea of the douchey frat boy that is uh, pulled that that idea has pulled a lot of people away from the Greek system and caused the organizations that run those fraternities to spend quite a lot of time trying to cultivate a different image. Um, they were doing that when I went to college, and I don't know what they were if that was if that was a big thing when when you were in school or not. But uh, I I would say I don't know if the Greek life situation is as bleak as it's painted in his words. Uh, I know some Ivy League schools have tried to ban them, but. At most state schools, it's just as strong as it was ten years ago. Um, I mean, he—I I don't know what at, at University of Oregon. It was very much a a um, you know. It, I mean, I know at some colleges, it's you know the majority of people belong to a frat or a sorority. It was much less of a thing at University of Oregon and 
Um, and I th- and I think in some areas of the country, and this is also that what makes this story hard to report on. You know, there's different differences in every part of the country you go to. So um, it's a lot you of you go to the southeast. It's a big deal, right? So, um, but so there's that. I mean, like the you know that you know that initial infrastructure is not quite uh, as popular universally um i think it's probably the idea that that it was say 30 years ago 40 years ago yeah um college students also appear just to be drinking less uh beveragedaily.com noted that gen zers are drinking 20% less per capita than millennials at the same age who in turn drank less than boomers or Gen Xers did at the same age. So I guess I'm trying to say is the kids are wimps. No. Um, <laughs> um, they're probably, it's, it's probably a good thing. It's, you probably don't need to be uh, face down in the gutter every day. Um, which is what I, which was my college experience. Um, but when they do drink, they're reaching for surprise, surprise. You want to say it with me, Tyler? Ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws. <laughs> Which is almost exclusively available in cans. Almost nothing you can get, almost no, nothing on draft. So, you know, the beverage of choice is not even available in a, in a uh, format that would allow that. So these are the trends that Infante noted and went out into the world to see how the crazy kids are partying these days. So the first thing he notes on his research is, um, a lot of it has to be anecdotal because there just aren't a lot of hard numbers, especially on the subject of how many sales of kegs go to college parties, kind of for obvious reasons. Um, as Michael Ulrich of uh, Seventh, Seventh Point Analytics noted in, in the article, quote, off-premise draft sales are small and not well uh, not well uh, uh categorized by scan data so it'd be hard to get this information anyway but you're also fighting some willful willful ignorance um he goes on to say the industry isn't exactly looking for ways to show to show how much of its volume ends up at parties that may be attended by underage drinkers it would require some survey or audit work that nobody wants to pay for or even look at even if it were available for free which yeah. makes a lot of sense. A lot of a lot of these brands depend on a certain amount of, shall we say, clandestine consumption. Uh, you know, take underage drinking out of the equation. I'll bet the sales for Natty Light dropped by, I don't know, 50, 60 <laughs> percent. It's saying. Natty Light and 70 year old men. There's <laughs> no in between. I mean, even hobos have moved on from that brand. Um, yeah. But uh, Infante notes that draft sales in general haven't been doing great even before the pandemic essentially rendered them to zero for the better part of three months last year. Um, data from the uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau shows that sales of draft beer have declined every year since 2014, which I didn't know. Damn. And in 2019 alone, draft dropped from 10% of the beer market to 6% of the beer market. So, oh, shit. so draft beer wasn't doing exceptionally great before it got a more or less shut down, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but you also could keep, I mean, you keep these numbers in mind. This is the total draft market, which is more or less bars and restaurants. Um, that which is off premise is a tiny, tiny percentage, but it does suggest that, um, if anything, it does suggest that the idea that beer is inherently better on draft 
is less of a less important to people and thus may affect um, how you know how college students decide to bring in their booze right yeah um, and of course there's the pandemic um, and again some pretty basic knowledge coming your way out there um, you need a decent crowd to drag a keg in an evening yeah. I mean you need a few you need what? You, you, I think you need six Tylers. If Tyler, yeah. if Tyler is a is a unit for college drinking, you need six. We did it with four. <laughs> Me and three buddies did it one night. <laughs> you t- wait, you drained a half barrel, four of you in an evening. Yeah. For, I'm trying to do the math here. <laughs> that's well. That's damn near a a a, a sixth each. 30, 30 pints each. You drank 30 pints in one evening. Well, it was like 5 o'clock to like 1 or 2. How are you still alive? Uh, a lot of drinking games. <laughs> 30, pints in, in, 30 pints in a day is a lot. Well, that was pretty close to a fucking day of just drinking. I, I, I want to see proof of this. I'm suddenly, like, skeptical. Like, you're sitting there slamming 30... Well, maybe it's show, I'm showing how old I am. Like, 30 pints, it's so much. Flashback. It was 20. also Natty Light. That's true. It's That's pretty much water. Um, it's like 4.5%. <laughs> okay. Well, people who aren't chronic alcoholics, you need a few more people than that. Um, but... Um, I mean, you need more than what has been considered socially acceptable for the last 19 months or so. I think that's fair to say. Under normal circumstances. Yes. Most people in a three or four hour long party are going to need oh, 10, 20 people in order to do that, which has been a little bit difficult. Uh, parties at a lot of college campuses have been a more subdued affair with campus programs and actually campus police uh, cracking down on partying in order to curb the spread of the virus. Not to mention, you know, their usual crusade against underage drinking. And also, I feel, I don't know if the article talks about this, but I feel the popular drinking games now uh, don't necessarily need draft beer, and it's actually encouraged more for canned product. Well, actually, the it does mention that. Well, I, I, I there's oh. something interesting about that specifically. Well, but I'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But you, but yeah, there is actually something about drinking games in this. Um, but um, um, I don't know for I think for many uh, at you know on college campuses and elsewhere, um, even the idea of a big party is just much less appealing, right? Um, you know, even as Infante notes uh, in the article, and I'm going to quote him directly because this is just a, a wonderful sentence, quote, Filling a cup of Keystone from the same tap, you just watched an upside-down bro wrap his lips around for a 10 Mississippi and not feeling skeevy about it has always required a uniquely undergraduate cognitive dissonance. Yeah, don't see a problem with it. <laughs> You wouldn't, would you? You're like, that's fine. The alcohol burns off whatever you would possibly pass from one person to another, wouldn't it? Good enough. <laughs> Wipe it off with your hand and let's move on. 
Um, but anyway, but I mean, you get the point, you know, passing a passing a, a tap from person to person during a pandemic probably seems worse than it would on a normal circumstances. But this too will pass. And for all the data suggesting a change in culture or the change of the way young people look at alcohol, the idea that college is a place where it's sort of okay to get so wasted that you wake up in a pool of no fewer than three bodily fluids, well, that's going to survive because college. Yeah. Um, it's a rite of passage. But in retrospect to a keg party, there's another factor in play, and that is, of course, the rise of hard seltzer. And this rise, interesting when you think about it, has happened almost in the span of one college run in the right time. If you think about it, um, when they were like a, a, a freshman um, in 2016, right? Uh, hard seltzers, yeah. uh, you know, their share of the market was 41 million. By the time that same freshman was a was was a senior, hard seltzers were two point five billion. Now on their victory lap, it's all hard seltzers. Say forty one million to two point five billion, and remember the difference between a million and a billion is, as Randall Monroe of XKCD once pointed out, the difference between a sip of wine and thirty seconds with your daughter and a bottle of gin and the night with her. So, what the fuck? The cl- to make it clearer, it went from 41 million to 2,500 million. That's the growth in basically one person's college uh, run. I just need to admit it with those numbers because it never ceases to amaze me how big Seltzer grew in four years. Yep. But there, another. And who graduates in four years? I mean, I that's a okay close to graduating. I don't. I did it in four years and three months. How long did it take you? Are you still going? <laughs> I wish uh, five. It's possible if you graduating in graduating in four years is like leaving a casino on a hot streak. You just don't do it. <laughs> well, I I was on uh, a very very. Um, uh, generous loan from the interna- international bank of daddy and uh, but, but and i was out of state tuition and his patience was wearing thin so fair enough <laughs> so in order to not be saddled with college debt for the rest of my existence uh which i totally would have been given my how my career path uh, evolved um yeah i i need an extra i need like one class and it took me like three extra months it sucked but what what whatever it happened um, anyway, I got just out in the weeds there for a second. Um, but an- <laughs> uh, another interesting thing they mention is that context doesn't seem to matter when it comes to hard seltzer. Um, the article cites a study done by Generation Lab where they asked what students um, were drinking in one of four situations. Um, casual drinking alone, right? Casual drinking with a few friends, uh, pre-gaming, and parties. Now, okay. the, now, the interesting thing is that wine, beer, and liquor all had wildly fluctuating results, which, you know, again, makes sense if you think about liquor, for example. There ain't a lot of people who do uh, line up shots of hard liquor alone as they, you know, they don't do that much as they do when they party, right? Yeah. Um, but hard seltzer st- held steady among all these scenarios between 13 and 16% across any situation. 
So whether regardless if you're drinking alone or you're at a big party, about 13 to 16% were that would favor hard seltzer in that situation. Okay. So um, just the change in preference alone is likely is likely to drastically affect the amount of cake parties. Although, quick side note, and this is where we get back to what you brought up. The one thing Infante did learn was that there was one context where beer held universal sway, and that was drinking games. You play drinking games with beer, full stop. You do not play drinking games with seltzer. It's not right. It's not Christian, I would go so far as to say. I have played a couple drinking games where you have liquor in the middle. Right. Uh, but but you're primarily yeah. drinking beer. And that, that was the interesting thing they found out is when you know people be drinking hard seltzer, but if they're playing a drinking game, they grab a beer and sip on a hard seltzer, I assume. There's always, there's always that. Yeah. Um, but there is... So if you're like looking at all this going, and I don't know... I, and... I, the uh, one thing, the cost of hard seltzer, I think, will always keep it from being a drinking game component. Oh, so you hit upon the, the hit upon the idea because I mean, if you're if you're thinking about all this going, oh, you know, and lamenting the like the loss of I don't know some great college tradition of being held upside down and you know jamming beer down your throat. And if you're if you're nostalgic for that, I, I'm not sure what to do about you. Um, Sprite, hey, it's a great time. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I'm nostalgic for that. Of course, then again, you know, we 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 know my record when it comes to chugging. So, and my personal opinion of it, it has not changed <laughs> in you know 20 years. Um, but um, if you are looking at that with a measure of nostalgia, um, the one thing that you can say that will probably keep you know, the good old-fashioned kegger alive is kind of what you mentioned. That is economy. Um, another constant, most college kids are fucking broke. So when choosing a beverage to fool a night of Bacchanal ex- excess in a morning of regret, a 12-pack of seltzer runs about 30 bucks, a 30-rack mm-hmm. of Natty Light, 15, and a keg of that same god-awful swill, about 80 bucks. I was going to say, PBR used to be $85, when I was in college, and we'd go fucking grab a keg of it. Um, bottom line, is it likely there are fewer keggers going out going on on college campuses? Yeah, yeah, this this probably there's probably fewer, and all the forces and trends from uh, these stories that they mentioned in the article seem to suggest that um, that there is few. I mean, uh, they he interviewed quite a few uh, students, either recent graduates or uh, or people still in college. And most of them report like, yeah, we don't, it's not something we really put together anymore. But um, if for no other reason that they are a means of getting totally fucked up on the cheap, there will always be a place for the half barrel in those little red Dixie cups, at least for the foreseeable future. So rest what easy. Dixie cups, solo cups, bro. Sorry. So they cups. will still happen, but they will happen on the, I think the smaller scale Kager where it's only 10, 20 people hanging out in a small little party is dead. I just the proved how... The huge uh... rager, where <laughs> there's 150, 200 people at your house, uh, and you have three half barrels, will still live. Because how else are you going to inebriate that many people 
but the smaller scale parties, everyone's just going to BYOB it, and there won't be a keg. And then you'll need the megaphone. Only a couple times. <laughs> Long story short, Tyler needed a, me- a megaphone to sometimes break up some of his more bacchanal orgies. It, I, I bought best purchase ever. Had a friend who was working at Radio Shack. Sold me at the employee cost a full police megaphone, half mile voice radius, and a siren on it. Uh, best hundred bucks I ever fucking spent. <laughs> Oh wow! You just uh, you just showed your age by saying Radio Shack, you old fuck. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, All right, Tyler, what's next? Well, is this a brewery for ants? <laughs> a quality reference. Quality reference. <laughs> well, found an article from the takeout. It needs to uh, be at least twice this big. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, Zoolander of, turns 20 sp- this year. Sorry, speaking of uh, of showing our age. <laughs> uh, Zoolander turns 20 this year. If you don't know what Zoolander is, Google it and then watch the movie. You're welcome. Don't watch the second one. Watch the original one. They made a second one? Oh, yeah. I refuse to watch it out of spite, though. I heard it sucked. I, I I'm not gonna run off to to go watch it because I can't I can't, I can't fathom how that would have been good, and I feel like <laughs> if it was good, someone would have said, "Oh, you really should watch that by now." Yeah. So, uh, Hop Valley Brewing, out of Eugene, Oregon, uh, is making a brewery for ants. Uh, it's a miniature tricked-out replica of Hop Valley Brewing. Uh, and it's a part of a giveaway that includes a $5,000 prize. Uh, so here's the press release they said. Here at Hot Valley, we're a brewery for everyone, even ants. So the ant farm b- brings to life our favorite pieces of the human-sized brewery, but slightly smaller. Like stools in the tap room, cryo hops freezing in the back, tiny beer tanks, tie-dye couch, and more. Um... So if you're thinking, how do I get myself a brewery ant farm? All you have to do is by the end of October 1st, so the day we're releasing this episode, you better hurry. (laughs) You better pull the fuck over and and get on this. Text ANTS to 90464 for a chance to win. Uh, The winner will take home uh, the Ant Brewery, as well as a mini fridge uh, that actually looks kind of cool. Uh, decked out Hot Valley tie-dye mini fridge. Or there is another prize, and it's $5,000 towards a trip to visit the full-size brewery in Oregon. So there's a couple different prizes you could win. Uh, but if one of our listeners wins this Ant Farm... You got to bring it on the podcast. <laughs> got to c- complete with ants. Complete with ants. Uh, they do not provide the beer for the mini fridge that goes under the ant farm or the ants for the ant farm. But we can find beer and ants. <laughs> I mean, again, if we can, back to referencing your college house, I feel like you can find both those things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you want ants? This is how you get ants, okay? <laughs> That's basically everything Tyler did throughout his entire college career. This is how you get ants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. So... Yeah, that's about it, but I wanted a good chuckle and a Zoolander reference, and, uh... (laughs) Certainly provided that, yes. So, someone, pull over right now, text, when it's all beer, that ant farm. (laughs) All right. Well... Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? What the fuck? You discontinued my favorite beer news now. Uh, Tyler, what is your favorite beer that's not made anymore? Well, it did make a comeback this year, but it was Odell's Lou Jean, and I was pissed when they fucking discontinued it. I physically was angered, but they brought it back for a little while, and it's such a delicious beer. That was a good one, yeah. I do remember. I was... I made so many people so sad when I had to tell people that there would be no more Lou Jean. Yeah, that one that one hurt. Yeah, um, um, my thoughts go to a couple places one wouldn't think. One of them actually is also Odell, their original incarnation of Mountain Standard, not the hazy shit, right? The uh, I was never. I'm not a huge Black IPA fan. Neither was I, but I realized as I'm like sitting here thinking about like two beers that have gone away that I really missed. Both of them were Black IPAs. The other one was Wookie Jack. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I missed those two beers. I when I'm when I'm thinking about like two beers that have that have ceased being brewed that I really kind of missed. Those are the two that came to mind. I don't know why. Maybe it was power suggestion. Black IPA is brought up in this uh, in this article, but I don't know. Um, but when a favorite beer goes away, it often leaves the imbiber feeling betrayed, abandoned, maybe so angry they could. Punch Lost. a widget. <laughs> Just basically Tyler. Um, there is Jeremy, re- did you hit a little person? <laughs> Not recently. Um, there's rarely oh, any okay. explanation except for an empty hole where their favorite beer used to be. Well, earlier this summer, um, Mother Earth posted something on their blog uh, that I found extremely interesting. Um, and it was six of their discontinued beers along with an explanation as to why they had to go away. Um, and I found it fascinating as it kind of gave gave the public a little bit of insight as to what other factors besides just the liquid go into deciding your production schedule. How do you choose what beers are going to stay in production and what beers you kind of have to let go? And for a lot of them, it's not simply because, oh, this one kind of sucked. So... Um, the first one they mentioned was Old Knucker, all right? This was their <laughs> first IPA, yeah, Old Knucker, uh, A-U-L-D, you know, old, you know, old English old, Knucker. Um, this was an IPA back when they were bitter, malty, loaded down with caramel malts, and so many hops you could feel them claw their way out of your throat with every swallow. Um, it was an IPA from the time I didn't like IPAs because they were basically a dick measuring contest amongst brewers. Yep. Um, they were just like, oh, how many? Oh, we got 300 IPAs. Oh, we got 600 IPAs. Stop it, you sick fucks. Um, (laughs) 
people came to their goddamn senses, and I'm so happy. Um, and they started making IPA that didn't taste like caramel-coated lawn clippings. Um, but with this change in uh, taste, Knucker went away. Also, uh, people kept saying Knuckler, uh, which annoyed the, the, the beer tenders at their tasting room. So um, the first one to go, Knucker. All right. It went knuckle deep on that one. <laughs> Knucker deep. Ah. <laughs> Next one. The, Next. <laughs> the pinup pale. Um, and here's a second uh, an entry for, well, the style moved on. Mother Earth um, wasn't the first brewery to feel obligated to brew a pale ale when they started up. Um, it, was, it was basically one of the things that the uh, – that, Every brewery, I think. Every brewery had. Yeah, you 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 had a you had a blonde, you had a pale, you had an IPA, you had a porter or a stout, and that's what you did. You know, maybe an amber in there, thrown in for good measure, right? Um. Yeah. But and that was also when you know pale ale and IPA were two distinct styles. There was IPA, which was like this caramely malty, you know, hop kick to the back of the throat, right? And then there was pale ale, which was softer, uh, more less inspired by American excess, and more uh, a, a nod to their its British um, uh, origins, right? Uh, but again, tastes evolved, and IPA found a more balanced footing. Pale ale essentially became session IPA, um, and. Thus, the idea of a pale ale kind of became redundant. And another big reason, though, besides just the style moved on, was grocery sales. Um, a place where people are shopping for the medicinal effects of, of beer as much as the flavor. Um, and if you're looking yep. at two beers, one is 5%, the other is 7%, and they both cost the same. Do the math. Yeah. This was and I feel like grocery is the great... Grocery accounts and chain accounts are that great deciding factor of what gets to axe and what doesn't. Exactly. Um, because, I mean, when you're, especially when you're relying on that sort of volume to move beer, um, and your IPA is, you know, flying off the shelf and your pale ale is just sitting there getting old, you know, becomes a pretty obvious decision. Um, mm hmm. So, bottom line, this pale, like many, many other pale ales, just ceased to sell and went into the into the uh, aisle of misfit beers. Um, I'm going to take a pause here because I actually switched beers myself. Um, I went to the off-color beer for brunch. Um, it is a Berliner Weiss with orange Chard and Chardonnay grape juice. So the mimosa, basically a beer mosa, a beer mimosa. I was gonna say a beer mosa, but that's actually a thing. Um, this is a mm -hmm. beer version of a mimosa. Um, it is say the the is they said the secret ingredients: um, orange Chardonnay grape juice and at least an hour wait. <laughs> um, and uh. it's it's nice. It's um, when I first cracked it open and took a couple drinks. Um, there's a complexity to the tartness. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of, um, acidic acid in there as well, which kind of give it more of like a, a farmhouse style flavor. 
Um, so the style okay. is nice and complex. Orange is very prominent. I get the I, I get the, the 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 grape background. You get a little bit of that like appley perry, you know, uh, fruit um, in the back, and yeah, I beer for brunch. That that is correct. That that is exactly what this beer is. Well done. Off nice. Um, like it better than beer for I mean beer for ball games. Yeah, that's what you need. You need a light beer. This is. I, I need some, I need some fucking pancakes. Let's, I, I'm, I'm, this has been it's all beer. I'm gonna make pancakes. Um. Anyway, I would do an omelet, but that's just me. <laughs> all right. Anyway, where were we? Yes, the third beer on their list. Uh, you might remember this one, the Honcho Hefeweizen. Yes, I do. Yeah, that was one of the it was one of the uh, uh, the beers that came into town when um, Mother Earth first came to Boise. Um, it was one of the regular ones, but it fell victim to a trifecta of wounds. First, the reality of brewery efficiency. Bavarian wheat beers are delicious. They really are. But there's only really one thing you can brew with a Bavarian wheat yeast. And when every <laughs> one of your beers brews with the same yeast except for one, and the sales of that, that one... That beer becomes expensive. Right. I mean, and... And if that if the sales from that one beer are okay, well, it sort of makes sense to streamline, right? Yep. Um, so uh, there and there and then there's the other two problems come in. First, Bavarian wheat beers are just not a style people are clamming for, clamoring for, which is a shame. They are delicious. I don't I don't get American wheat beers. I just don't. They just they taste like a cream ale or anything else. <laughs> with no offense, no offense meant to Widmere, but they do. Um, and it did okay on draft, but in package, it just wasn't the seller. And they suspect part of the reason might have been the label. Jet black with a day glow mobster on it. Do you remember it? Yep. It just, Rolling dice. It just doesn't scream light, refreshing, flavorful German wheat beer. It screams when we're going to find you, we're going to break your fucking legs. So, yeah, it didn't sell. It was expensive to brew. That one went away. Now, the next one on their list is actually more than one beer. It was the Resignator series. You probably remember that one, too, was it was actually three beers, but they all shared because Hop Diggity was on that, right? Hop Diggity was on it, but they decided to spare that one. Um, the it was the other because they had a rotating uh, they had. Four rotating beers, right? The idea was, um, you know, basically a seasonal that's not a seasonal. Um, yep. But the where these beers fell was basically, well, marketing. Brewery growth and marketing. Um, these things came out around 2017. So just after that really heady peak of craft beer when all the distributors kind of went to all their breweries and said, okay, you crazy kids, we know you want to put out a new fucking beer every day, but give us, like, five that we can sell, okay? That we can sell continuously. <laughs> um, and Mother Earth, they had a lot of IPAs um, that they thought were all too good to give up, um, or at least without a fight. And those were Say When, The Power of Love, Kismet, and as you mentioned, um, Hop Diggity. Uh, so, yes. that's when, so that's when they, they hit upon this idea of, well, okay, we'll keep those in rotation. Um, and it was like, 
to me, if I remember, it was like the first seasonal, that's not a seasonal that I remember, like the first brewery that I remember. I don't think it was the first brewery in the country that did it by any stretch, but it was the first one that I remember in this market that tried this like rotating series. Um, yeah, where it's not tied to a season. They say we're going to produce X amount, and when that's gone, it'll then be this. Um, which you might actually have some insight on because – if I'm not mistaken, your brewery is still doing a rotating series. If I'm, am I correct? Yes, we do a couple actually. So, uh, so let me. Uh, I mean, we have like a, you have your seasonals, which are kind of tied, but you also do like a hoppy rotator. Um, yep. So you might have some insight as to you know as to their problems on this. Um, this idea to them appeared to create as much confusion as it alleviated. Um, not to mention the challenge with keeping beer fresh and rotating. Um, at the end of the day, it just wasn't worth the effort to try to, uh, to keep, keep one, you know, to get one beer off the shelf. So you can get another one timing that correctly and trying to educate people as to why the, you know, say when is where the, power of love should be uh i think so on the part of the transitions mm -hmm. it's a bitch even with the best planning <laughs> and like looking you walk into a store that you're like okay this should be this beer now and you're like motherfucker they still haven't got it on the shelf yet <laughs> it's a complete cunt of an issue but there's there's no predicting it. There's some stores sell faster than others. It's the problem you're going to have with rotators. Um, I feel though, at least from the brewery I have, it we don't really run into a lot of the issues with. Well, why is this here when it should be this beer? Or wise say when there when I thought it was going to be power of love or whatever um, is most people have kind of started to grasp that and I think enough breweries have that rotator that people have started to learn it but um, yeah I mean to a certain extent um I mean, in my in in my experience with um with you know with grocery, um I can definitely having tried to explain with the customer. And I was the you know the beer guy, so you had a you had a guy kind of dedicated to trying to explain this. No, 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 you know that beer you like is this part of a rotating seasonal, so come back in a year, which oddly pissed some people off. I don't know, but anyway, they decided that it wasn't worth the effort. Um, um, they would rather just go ahead, keep hop diggity, and send the rest packing. So, and I think an advantage we have over what they have is those rotators are mainly here locally, where they had those around the country. And so, if someone's like, "Hey, where is that?" They're like, "Well, I'll just swing by and talk to the brewery or send the brewery a message on Facebook," and we're able to address that a little easier. So, um, the next one on the list was, uh, call me ginger. Uh, I, that was in their mix pack for a long time. Sometimes you try something and it just doesn't work. 
Uh, Call Me Ginger was something Mother Earth brewed to pair with food. Specifically, it was a challenge by a sushi restaurant. And at first, it really went well. And they decided, oh, what the hell? Let's can it and try to make it part of our, you know, a wider part of our uh, distribution. Problem is, they already had one of the most popular beers in the lighter category, right? Cali Creamin. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, a, basically a, a vanilla soda beer. Uh, and people, to this day, still yep. love the living fuck out of it. Um, I think I, I heard somewhere that Mother Earth is one of the biggest uh, buyers of vanilla in the country for this beer. I, I can believe that. Um, but... So they already had a beer that really rocked this category for them. And thus, they never really could find a fan base, you know, wider for uh, for Call Me Ginger. So into the bin. And I feel, I feel like ginger beer already has a more niche market anyways. So it was kind of screwed from Jump Street. Right. Um, the next one. Probably where I, uh, where, where... Uh, the uh, I got fixated. The Crucible, the Black IPA, and speaking of those heady days of like oh around 2015, 2016, when people were throwing hops into everything and just to see what happened. Um, hops were very much the sriracha of beer ingredients, uh, and brewers were the adorable <laughs> grandmother claiming they put that shit on everything for like a week. Everyone had a black IPA. Mother Earth described them, and I'm quoting here, probably regarded as one of man's biggest failures and the beer industry's deepest regrets. <laughs> Which is a little, a little harsh, but I take their meaning. I mean, <laughs> black IPA was always more of an, an anomaly than anything else. I don't know. What do you think? You, you know, I... Like, occasionally I'm like, I want a black IPA, and it's fantastic when I have it. That's maybe once a year. Uh, I don't want that level of roast and that with my hops. I, it's never clicked for me. Well, and I think at the time, I developed a dislike for them because, well, first of all, most breweries just did it because... It was the trend. It was the latest trend, and everybody was following the latest trend, right? Not because mm -hmm. they were all that interested in, like, you know, trying to make that weird combination of roasted barley and bitter hops work. They just saw a fad and hopped on the bandwagon because it's kind of what you did. And I don't blame anybody for trying, you know, trying to do that. But so many of the black IPAs that were being produced during that time were just kind of shit. And they mm -hmm. didn't. And I think the hop. The hops that were popular at that time didn't lend themselves to roast either. And, th and there's there's something you have to, you know, I, and I couldn't tell you because I haven't looked into it because I have no interest in brewing a black IPA. Um, but there's some balance, some alchemy, some prayer to the right God that you need to do in order to get that really fragile truce between roasted barley and hops to go through, right? Yeah. Um, when they are, when, when they're, it's, when it's off and it has to be, it's, it, 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 if it's off by a little bit, they suck. But when they are just in perfect harmony, they are amazing. 
it's probably why I miss why when I was thinking about beers I miss, uh, those were two came to mind because uh, Mountain Standard and Wookie Jack were spectacular. Um, but um, they were they like so many other beers from that BJCP 2015 guideline that we are still using to this day. By the way, BJCP, update your fucking guidelines. You said you're going to do it every three years. It's been six now. <laughs> Get on it. Just saying. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> just that's my little soapbox. Um, they were a product of an industry that was very much growing. They were trying a little bit of everything. Um, and... Mother Earth, well, they definitely jumped on that bandwagon. Um, they put out this beer, the Crucible. I think it was popular for a day. Uh, and then everybody lost interest in black IPAs, and they realized they'd fucked up, and they moved on. So there you go. <laughs> it, you know, out to pasture, it went, it, they, it went to a farm somewhere. That's what they told their customers. Um but, or yeah. you could say it didn't pass the crucible. <laughs> uh, that's why we keep you on the podcast, Tyler. Well, so it was named after the final test all Marines have to go through because they're right by Camp Pendleton. So it was a little play for the Marine Corps. I got it. Well, I didn't know that was, I don't oh. know if that was what they named that afterwards. I'm not sure if they uh, named it. Do you think that's what the. I'm sure that's what they named it because I know I remember seeing on Mother Earth's Facebook one time that the owner, Dan, was uh, there to speak to the Marines when they finished oh. the Crucible one time. So I'm assuming they named it after that test. It's a little bit awkward uh, uh, naming one of your failed beers after that, but hey, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> I would you, not... you didn't know it was going to fail at the time? <laughs> I black IPAs, nah. Even from I was gonna say, I'm like, even back then, I said these are gonna go away, and thank the gods. <laughs> uh. But anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, um, if you're on this coast, maybe there's an explanation as to what happened to one of your favorite beers. If not, maybe a little insight into the forces and trends that stabs a beer to death in its sleep. So. You know, I do like that Mother did this. I think more breweries should actually start incorporating it, this. It would be interesting to, it just, yeah, to have an explanation for a lot of why. Because I have no explanation for Wookie Jack or, or why they changed Mountain Standard. I'd like to have one. Yeah. You know, it, and, so. it probably, and it could just be. Well, they, they didn't, and a lot of it is it didn't sell. And, you know, I, I think you mm -hmm. are uh, definitely in touch with that. Like you're saying, listen, I mean, if you want to buy two pallets, we'll, we'll brew it for you. But other than that, um, mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. Also, another beer heartbroken about Java the Hop oh from Fort God. George. I forgot. And about I that. asked the rep, because I ran into the Fort George rep at the East Oregon Beer Fest this year, and I was like, dude, I really wish. He's like, yeah, it just, like, it sold really well in the tap room, but it just didn't sell too well in other markets. And we were just, didn't have tank space for it. And if it was only selling well in the tap room, we just scrapped it so we had tank space for other things. He's like, but we got a new brew system. We're using our old brew system as a pilot system, kind of. He's like, so it may be coming back. So pray to the gods that it comes back. 
Um, there's another, yeah, like the couple of beers mixed with coffee. That was the first one I had. I'm like, oh my God, that should not work, but it does so well. I don't understand what is happening in my mouth right now. Um, but I love it. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. That was uh, spectacular. So, um, yeah, uh, Fort George, you need to brew that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, maybe a, maybe an explanation as to, uh, as to, uh, uh, where your favorite beers may have gone. Uh, Tyler, uh, do you have anything else to add today? Yes. So we've spent a lot of time on this podcast shit talking hazy IPAs. We have. Well, and drinking hazy IPAs. Sometimes <laughs> while shit talking yes. them. We're, we're self-loathing, okay? Uh, you're, so, you're always going to become what you hate, which is why me and Tyler practice self-loathing. Yep. Uh, so Austin Beer Works tweeted out uh, the other day that they plugged Untapped's top 100 hazy IPAs into a machine learning algorithm oh, and then fuck. asked it to create its own beer. This is what it popped out. Uh, the beer will be titled the Infernal Fortitude Hazy IPA 6.9% ABV. <laughs> was, the, was, the, uh, was the name also a product of machine learning? Oh, I think the whole beer oh, is machine learning oh, from the top hundred. Uh, to which it probably said, I don't know what these humans are doing. Pick two random words that are polysyllabic. So here is the full description of the beer. Okay. Bango and Zim Zam hops smash <laughs> your mouth with a pillowcase stuffed with pineapples and mango skin. Fluffy clouds rain juice, but you are protected by an umbrella of wheat and oats. Ghosts whisper in the New England countryside. Available now. Sold out. <laughs> oh, wow. And the funny, I mean, and, and, I, and I immediately think of um, the last three-way, their ridiculous description of that beer. And I'm like, yes, that is... <laughs> What is this, a brewery for ants? Hard seltzer kills off a college staple. Smoke straight to the tank. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Let's do our weekly health check. All those who don't have COVID, please raise your hands. Not so fast, Tyler. Low blow, man. Low fucking blow. Tyler, how are you this week? How are you doing this week? Well, I feel great, except I can't smell shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've had a hell of a... That's, if you're Jerry wondering, won the Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, I haven't. <laughs> see how bad this gets uh yes if you are wondering why we are doing why it sounds a little bit off this week uh uh tyler is at home uh with the plague um so in an effort to uh not spread it around um uh he's uh he's sequestered himself in at home and is currently uh binge watching the sopranos so yep and playing a lot of xbox but in my dedication i took time away from tony soprano to come talk beer and keep our listeners happy. 
I'm uh, I'm I'm also pleased to report, uh, you know, as near as I can tell via the uh, uh, via the uh, uh, the video chat we were doing, um, he also put on pants. So, yeah, that yeah. was quite uh, ni- that was quite nice of you. I don't have to sit there and look at your little tiny dingle there throughout all this. So, I mean, I can pull it out if you would like. That's quite okay. Let's never, never, never. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What are you drinking today? I am drinking uh, Dormancy from Balebreaker Brewing Company. It's their breakfast stout uh, with coffee. Yeah. So, How is it? You know, pretty good. Get a nice good roast uh, coming through. Uh, with not being able to smell, couldn't tell you what the aroma would be like, <laughs> but... That that occurred to me as I was, as I was coming home. Like, wonder what Tyler's gonna be drinking. If you know what, if nothing, I feel like you're missing an opportunity to just like sit down in a in a chair, crack a natty light, and go. I'm drinking this because it fucking doesn't matter. I can't smell shit. I can't taste shit. This might as well be fermented toilet water out of Wrigley Field after a double header. For all I care. Oh, I do got some bush light in the fridge. The corn cans. Uh, <laughs> But my buddy, uh, he had came down a couple weeks ago and brought some of uh, this beer for me because he stayed at my house. And so I hadn't had a chance to crack into it. So I was like, you know what? Perfect time for it. Excellent. I've got uh, from Off Color Brewing the Beer for Ball Games. Uh, we talked about their uh, Beer 4 series. Oh, but, oh, last season. I think it was the second to last or last uh, uh, episode of last season. So I was exploring. Second to last, I want to say. Um, so I got beer for ball games and coming up in a second beer for brunch. So I had to start off with beer for ball games. It's a uh, an American cream ale. The first thing I noticed is that poured very hazy. Like if I if you just brought this to me in a glass without any explanation, my, my, my impression would be hazy IPA. I mean, it's that it's in that level of haze. Really? I was going to say, you're the beer judge. Uh, is that level of haze allowed in a cream ale? Um, it's, it would be a point against it. Now, it, you know, on a BJCP um, event, uh, appearance is only three points out of the 50. So, um, okay. you know, it's not... Uh, <coughs> it might... In a, in a competition... Uh, you know, a, a haze might be the difference between two otherwise extremely good beers, um, but it's not a killer in and of itself. So, um, at most, it would drop it from, like, a gold, potentially, to a silver. Right, yeah. You know, especially if there's, if yeah, if they're two really good that score very high, that might be the, the, the point that, uh, that uh, uh, takes it down. Otherwise, really nice, clean, uh, really nice, clean beer. Like corny, you know, hoppy flavor. It's got it's got a little bit more hops, but yeah, nice easy drinking, nice easy drinking beer. It is indeed a beer for ball games. Perfect. So I think I remember seeing them talk or post about that one, and they wanted, you know, something lighter, but not like a corn lager, and so they were trying to go pre-prohibition style, if I remember correctly. I mean, it definitely has more of a hop kick. There's a, definitely a piney, herbaly kick right at the back that um, almost might be a little excessive for the style, but still, it's still quite nice. Nice. Well, shall we jump on in? 
I think we should. Tyler, what do you got for us today? Well, we're going to hop into the best time of year, fresh hop season. Ah, see what you did but, there. See, hop being, you know, the type of plant that we use to flavor beer, and hop also being to, you know, jump a short distance. Ah, you're a, cl- you're a clever guy, Tyler. That's that's why I picked you to be on this podcast. Bar must have been low. Uh, <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> uh, but, found uh, an article from Food & Wine uh, talking about how there's Brewers are starting to run into effects of smoke taint uh, on hops, similar to issues grape growers have uh, on the grapes in a heavy wildfire season. And if you've lived in the Northwest this summer, you know the wildfires and the smoke have been unbearable and made going outside nearly impossible for most of the year. Uh, fun fact, I believe that's uh, a smoke taint is uh, uh, actually the pet name for Tyler's underwear after camping season. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you love that taste. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially not after I made that reference. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy t- thinks of it as fine barbecue. Oh, uh, Christ. <laughs> Ugh, I'm not uh, going to be able to eat a hot dog on a grill for like a year. Uh, my taint's more like brisket, okay? Thank you very much. All right, will you just go ahead and keep, keep going while I throw up in my mouth a little bit? Uh, so on Tuesday, uh, this is an article from Food & Wine by Jalisa Castralde? Sure, butchered that name. I'm very sorry, uh, but she talks about how on Tuesday, Fremont Brewing announced that it was finally ready to release this year's Couchy Canyon Fresh Hop, and it's Hazy Couchy Canyon. I always butcher the name. Jeremy, how do I pronounce the name of that? How do you pronounce the name of that I always heard it pronounced Koichi Canyon. Koichi. Works for me. So the Koichi Canyon Fresh Hop and the Hazy Koichi Canyon both got delayed um, uh, because of hop taint in the hop or smoke taint in the hops, uh, from the heavy wildfires this season. Um, with this, they actually talked about how the fires had already burned almost a million acres by mid-August, um, with Washington, Oregon, and Idaho having. Most of the country's hop productions, uh, it's going to be a, effect, a ripple effect felt by a lot of breweries. Um, with this here, uh, the beer didn't end up meeting their standards because of the tank. Um, they said about 2,000 pounds of their 37,000-pound uh, hop harvest had been damaged by smoke tank. Ooh. Ooh. I mean that makes. Yeah. I mean that's not that's not just fresh hops. I mean that we're 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 seeing we're seeing the immediate effect right now because fresh hops. I mean you take them directly off the vine, put them directly into the beer. But this is this is going to go beyond fresh hops. This is this. Uh, I, I I imagine um, hop prices are going to start going up. Well, and I mean, does it gets to a point where it's not even about hop prices? I mean, it's going to be a factor as well, but. Uh, 
just being hops that you just can't get for you know any price full stop you they just don't have yeah. enough um he said you can see some of the damage in the hops they're yellow instead of that bright green character um and he's said it's immediately you can notice it it has a different aroma so they spent the weekend centrifuging the hops trying to remove the lingering smoke character so that they could use them for the release. It worked. Oh, did that dumb question that that aroma is it smoke? I mean, is that that they literally just get the, the were the hops literally just smoked? I I honestly think so. It doesn't dive into the what the aroma was, uh, but I'm assuming it has to. It's got to hold on to kind of like your clothes after going camping when you get home and you smell yourself. Hence your nickname. Got it. <laughs> uh, but I found it really interesting, and I couldn't really find anything on the science of why centrifuging the hops pulled the smoke out. Uh, well, didn't I, know if you would know, or I—I I mean, if the problem is literally, you know, like little particulates on the hop, you know, it'd have the same effect on. Uh, you know, getting removing that is you know a a dryer centrifuge or a you know, washing machine centrifuge, if you will, removes water. You just put it in a you put them in a, a in a spot in a some kind of container that's you know mesh or you know um, or a material like that, and you spin them until um, the contaminants just literally fly off. Is the only thing I can think of. I mean, especially if you're dealing with fresh hops because you don't have them you don't have them ground for pellets. Um, yeah. Um, so that would be the only thing I could think, you know, thing I can think of, unless there's some other, unless they're using a hop oil or something, and then I, there's, we're beyond my understanding. Yeah. Huh. I'll see but when I, I think, can actually socialize again, see if I can talk to some people in the industry and see what would. But I feel like it would be go happening to past that. just like particulates on the flower itself because it would it strikes me that it would I don't know be in the hop itself so I don't know yeah uh, but anyways that's how they were able to get the hops salvageable to make the beer uh, but he did express some concern and said this isn't gonna be a one time thing we will see this next year. Uh, he said with climate change, uh, we don't know if it's just this particular harvest or if this is going to be a yearly recurring thing, another basically process you have to put fresh hops through, uh, because of wildfires and climate change. Well, we've had, I mean, we've had shit, uh, fire seasons before, um, and I did, I don't remember it affecting the hop harvest to this um, extent. Uh, there, there is something different happening right now because we are we, you know, at at late September, uh, early October, we ought to be, you know, in the right in the middle of uh, fresh hop season. This is usually when you know they have all come in. You know, they kind of they kind of trickle in on a bell curve, and right here would be like the tip of the bell top of the bell curve right now. Um, we are just starting to get. Um, the fresh hop beers, uh, Fremont's Farm to Ferment, 
uh, only came out a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, I a week ago, a week ago. A lot of the fresh hops are still another week or two out because of the drought in the Northwest. It actually pushed back the harvest. Um, Occidentals, their fresh hop Pilsner was the first fresh hop. They actually kind of came out on schedule, although I don't know if it was the smoke or what, I or cognitive dissonance or whatever, but it just, I don't know. It Last year, their fresh hop Pilsner was just off the charts. I loved it. I drank the shit out of it this year. It's good. It doesn't hold. It's there's some there doesn't doesn't hold my attention like that beer last year did. So I'm not again. That could just be me. Um, yeah. And um, I'm not and I'm not picking up smoke on anything. Um, uh, the fresh hot beer from Lumberbeard. We got that one in. Um, they use fresh Sabro. Um, uh, it was just really really um, astringent. Um, and I don't yeah. think that. And I don't know if again that may just be how they are doing it. It may have nothing to do with uh, a a excessive fire season. Although Fort George's, it just came out today, or we just got it today. It just came out this week. Um, it's exceptionally good. I like the, it's their first yeah. attempt at a fresh hop. Uh, but with this, uh, they talked, the article interviewed uh, an, the administrator for the Oregon Hop Commission. He said, they don't have enough experience with wildfire exposure on hops to know what to expect. Um, maybe it will carry the smoke and will carry through on the aroma and flavor, and the beer will be off because of it. Maybe nothing will happen. They're not sure. Um, they talked to an Oregon State brewing chemist, uh, and just he said they can use grapes and wine as a guidepost but they truly don't know how the hops will react to prolonged exposure to smoke where if it'll translate really to the beer. I was just uh, remembering um, one of our local breweries, Bear Island. Um, um, the owner there, Beth, she always likes to uh, to find some something new to you know take a to take a style and do something new and for fresh hop um she uh smoked her smoked her hops and she did it i mean she did it on purpose she actually put her hops in a smoker and i'm suddenly thinking they're thinking thought she was uh, uh uh she thought she was crazy it looks like she was a trendsetter she was just brewing <laughs> beer for the coming apocalypse <laughs> yeah i i did think about that i was like well i have had a smoked fresh hop beer <laughs> So it turns out she was on this and like, look, I've been, we've been brewing beer with smoked uh, hops since, you know, 2018. We are ready. We were brewing it before it was cool, losers. <laughs> before it was cool or necessary or the only choice you had. I was going to say, or before, pretty soon, everyone's going to have a smoked fresh hop. <laughs> it's just going to be how they brand it now. I mean, I've, I've sort of made peace with the idea that summers here in idaho are gonna be smoky and awful it's just summer summer's gonna be like late july august it's gonna be kind of like uh late january february where you just don't go outside at least at least in the winter though i'll go skiing you can't even do that when the got i was gonna say can't even go outside when the uh when when the air quality is you know basically a pack of lucky strikes with every breath i mean August every year in Idaho has always been pretty smoky 
with wildfires because it blows right up from California. We get the people moving here and they bring the smoke with them in little bags. But but when it rolls in in June, the best part about living in Boise in the Treasure Valley is the summers. And disagree, but go on. <laughs> summers is going shit. out and is a shit going season. out and experiencing the summer, the spring, the fall. But when you just have smoke, yeah, this the whole time it shit. ruins it. This summer was fucking dog shit. So you know, uh, we should try to probably try to fix this whole thing, but we're not gonna. Uh, well, Jeremy, what do you got? All right, fucking millennials kill keggers. News now. Um, How do I teach these kids? <laughs> uh, Tyler, as our resident frat boy correspondent, I assume you have tended a keg party or a kegger, as it were, in the parlance of our times. Uh, ju- just like a baker's dozen or ten. <laughs> any uh, any particularly good ones or good stories or any come, uh, any come to mind? I, I guess mean, I've made some good money off having keggers. Were they a big thing at uh, at Boise State when you were there? They were decent. Uh, the The whole hard part, especially when I was in college, Boise State or Boise PD thought they were on God's mission to end underage drinking. Um, when you were clearly on so, God's mission to promote it. Yes, uh, and so. When they were on the mission and really trying to enforce it, kegs kind of took a back seat because it's an open source of alcohol that can be tied to one person. Um, and so any you can get a contributing ticket for every underage person there that's drunk. Fuck. So the, they, there was a couple years where uh, they weren't super popular, and then one of the houses I lived in, the cops never busted any of our parties. They just tell us to turn down the music because our neighbors were partying with us. And to quote, they go, we know you guys are always respectful. You guys are just trying to have a good time. We're not here to ruin that. Just be quiet. Nice. Who'd you have? To- and I was like, holy shit. Say, who did you have to bribe or give a handy in the back of a squad car for that deal? I don't know. It wasn't me, but whoever did it, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and then I moved out of that house and they said, we're glad the guy with the megaphone moved out. And I was like, dick move, dick move. That's a whole nother story we may have to get to uh, at another another time. My, I, when I was in college, uh, freshman year, um, we managed to um, sneak a half barrel of, I'm guessing Natty Light or some shit beer. We managed to sneak a half barrel into the second story of this dorm and have a keg party in the dorms without anybody noticing. So, that quite, a kid. That was quite fun. It was, you know, for what I remember. I gained a little respect for you on that story. <laughs> to be fair, my contribution was uh, a, a portion of the keg and being a lookout while they, uh, while they fucking hauled this godforsaken keg up the flight of stairs. Much easier going down, though. Um, but <laughs> A little lighter. 
a lot, a little bit lighter. Um, among uh, uh, other questionable post-adolescent activities associated with college, which include, which do include, but are in no way limited to, starting a band, getting a tattoo of your latest hookup's face on your back, butt chugging, or getting stuck doing coke in a bathroom with some douche who won't shut the fuck up about what Kurt Cobain was really trying to say in heart-shaped box, and trying to find a socially acceptable means of escape, while at the same time really, 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 really wanted to do more coke. College is a magical time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh. That lapse might also be a little bit biographical. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy, I didn't know you went to the University of Tennessee and were butt chugging Franzia. <laughs> Not the butt chugging thing. <laughs> oh, it's thanks to YouTube. I'm, a, I'm aware, of, aware of butt chugging. Um, uh. Anyway, uh, Dave Infante noted that, um, that all of the elements that one might need to throw a decent kegger uh, these days are out of fashion, either because of beverage choice, uh, the current pandemic, which is, you know, still a fucking thing, people. Tyler's proof of that. Um, or just how the culture has moved. Um, he looked at uh, college culture from an outsider's perspective and asked the question, are keggers still a thing? Um for a start, the Greek life culture is idolized by movies such as Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, Old School, etc., etc. Um, it's fallen out of favor in a lot of colleges, and the idea of the douchey frat boy that is uh, pulled that that idea has pulled a lot of people away from the Greek system and caused the organizations that run those fraternities to spend quite a lot of time trying to cultivate a different image. Um, they were doing that when I went to college, and I don't know what they were if that were if that was a big thing when when you were in school or not. But uh, I I would say I don't know if the Greek life situation is as bleak as it's painted in his words. Uh, I know some Ivy League schools have tried to ban them, but. At most state schools, it's just as strong as it was ten years ago. Um, I mean, he, I, I don't know what at, at University of Oregon, it was very much a a um, you know. It, I mean, I know at some colleges, it's you know the majority of people belong to a frat or a sorority. It was much less of a thing at University of Oregon and. Um, and I, th and I think in some areas of the country, and this is also that, that what makes this story hard to report on, you know, there's different differences in every part of the country you go to. So, um, it's a lot you of, you go to the Southeast, it's a big deal. Right. So, um, but so there's that, I mean, like the, you know, that, you know, that initial infrastructure is not quite uh, as popular universally. Um, I think it's probably the idea that that it was, say, thirty years ago, forty years ago. Yeah. Um, college students also appear just to be drinking less. Uh, BeverageDaily.com noted that Gen Zers are drinking twenty percent less per capita than millennials at the same age, who in turn drank less than Boomers or Gen Xers did at the same age. So I guess I'm trying to say is the kids are wimps. No, um, <laughs> um, they're probably it's, it's probably a good thing. It's, you probably don't need to be uh, face down in the gutter every day. Um, which is what I, which was my college experience. Um, but when they do drink, they're reaching for surprise, surprise. You want to say it with me, Tyler? Ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws. <laughs> which is almost exclusively available 
in cans. Almost nothing you can get. Almost no, nothing on draft. So, you know, the beverage of choice is not even available in a in a uh, format that would allow that. So. These are the trends that Infante noted and went out into the world to see how the crazy kids are partying these days. So the first thing he notes on his research is um, a lot of it has to be anecdotal because there just aren't a lot of hard numbers. Especially on the subject of how many sales of kegs go to college parties. Kind of for obvious reasons. Um, As Michael Ulrich of uh, 7th. Seventh Point Analytics noted in the article, quote, off-premise draft sales are small and not well, uh, not well uh, uh, categorized by scan data, so it'd be hard to get this inf- information anyway, but you're also fighting some willful, willful ignorance. Um, he goes on to say, the industry isn't exactly looking for ways to show, to show how much of its volume ends up at parties that may be attended by underage drinkers. It would require some survey or audit work that nobody wants to pay for or even look at, even if it were available for free. Which yeah. makes a lot of sense. A lot of, a lot of these brands depend on a certain amount of, shall we say, clandestine consumption. Uh, you know, take underage drinking out of the equation. I'll bet the sales for Natty Light drop by, I don't know, 50, 60 <laughs> percent. It's saying. Natty Light and 70-year-old men. There's That's... no in between. <laughs> I mean, even hobos have moved on from that brand. Um, yeah. But uh, Infante notes that draft sales in general haven't been doing great even before the pandemic essentially rendered them to zero for the better part of three months last year. Um, Data from the uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau shows that sales of draft beer have declined every year since 2014, which I didn't know. Damn. And in 2019 alone, draft dropped from 10% of the beer market to 6% of the beer market. So, oh, shit. so draft beer wasn't doing exceptionally great before it got a more or less shut down, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but you also could keep, I mean, you keep these numbers in mind. This is the total draft market, which is more or less bars and restaurants. Um, that which is off premise is a tiny, tiny percentage, but it does suggest that, um, if anything, it does suggest that the idea that beer is inherently better on draft is less of a less important to people, and thus may affect um, how you know how college students decide to bring in their booze, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, there's the pandemic, um, and again, some pretty basic knowledge coming your way out there. Um, you need a decent crowd to drag a keg in an evening. Yeah. I mean, you need a few. You need what? You, you, I think you need six Tylers. If Tyler, yeah. if Tyler is a is a unit for college drinking, you need six. We did it with four. <laughs> Me and three buddies did it one night. <laughs> you t- wait. You drained a half barrel. Four of you in an evening. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math here. That's well. That's damn near a a a, a sixthal each. Thirty thirty pints each. You drank thirty pints in one evening. Well, it was like five o'clock to like one or two. How are you still alive? Uh, a lot of drinking games. <laughs> 
30 pints in, in 30 pints in a day is a lot. Well, that was pretty close to a fucking day of just drinking. I, I, I want to see proof of this. I'm suddenly, like, skeptical. Like, you're sitting there slamming 30... Well, maybe it's show, showing how old I am. Like, 30 pints, it's so much. Flashback. It was 20. also Natty Light. That's true. It's That's pretty much water. Um, it's like 4.5%. Okay. Well, people who aren't chronic alcoholics, you need a few more people than that. Um, but... Um, I mean, you need more than what has been considered socially acceptable for the last 19 months or so. I think that's fair to say. Under normal circumstances. Yes. Most people in a three or four hour long party are going to need, oh, 10, 20 people in order to do that, which has been a little bit difficult. Uh, parties at a lot of college campuses have been a more subdued affair with campus programs and actually campus police uh, cracking down on partying in order to curb the spread of the virus. Not to mention, you know, their usual crusade against underage drinking. And Also, I feel, I don't know if the article talks about this, but I feel the popular drinking games now uh, don't necessarily need draft beer, and it's actually encouraged more for canned product. Well, actually, the it does mention that. Well, I, I, I there's oh. something interesting about that specifically. Well, but I'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But you, but yeah, there is actually something about drinking games in this. Um, but um, um, I don't know. For I think for many uh, at you know on college campuses and elsewhere, um, even the idea of a big party is just much less appealing, right? Um, you know, even as Infante notes uh, in the article, and I'm going to quote him directly because this is just a, a wonderful sentence, quote, Filling a cup of Keystone from the same tap you just watched an upside-down bro wrap his lips around for a 10 Mississippi and not feeling skeevy about it has always required a uniquely undergraduate cognitive dissonance. Yeah, don't see a problem with it. <laughs> You wouldn't, would you? You're like, that's fine. The alcohol burns off whatever you would possibly pass from one person to another, wouldn't it? Good enough. <laughs> Wipe it off with your hand and let's move on. <laughs> um, but anyway, but I mean, you get the point, you know, passing a passing a, a tap from person to person during a pandemic probably seems worse than it would under normal circumstances. But this too will pass. And... For all the data suggesting a change in culture or the change in the way young people look at alcohol, the idea that college is a place where it's sort of okay to get so wasted that you wake up in a pool of no fewer than three bodily fluids, well, that's going to survive because college. Yeah. Um, it's a rite of passage. But in retrospect to a keg party, there's another factor in play, and that is, of course, the rise of hard seltzer. And this rise... Interesting, when you think about it, has happened almost in the span of one college run in the right time. If you think about it, um, when they were like a, a, a freshman um, in 2016, right? Uh, hard seltzers, yeah. uh, you know, their share of the market was 41 million. By the time that same freshman was a, was, was a senior, hard seltzers were 2.5 billion. Now on their victory lap, it's all hard seltzer. Say forty-one million to two point five billion, 
And remember, the difference between a million and a billion is, as Randall Monroe of XKCD once pointed out, the difference between a sip of wine and 30 seconds with your daughter and a bottle of gin and the night with her. So, what the fuck? To make it clearer, it went from 41 million to 2,500 million. That's the growth in basically one person's college uh, run. I just need a minute with those numbers because it never ceases to amaze me how big Seltzer grew in four years. Yep. But there another and who graduates in four years? I mean, I that's a okay close to graduating. <laughs> I don't. I did it in four years and three months. How long did it take you? Are you still going? <laughs> I wish uh, five. It's possible if you're graduating in graduating in four years is like leaving a casino on a hot streak. You just don't do it. <laughs> well, I I was on uh, a very very um, uh, generous loan from the interna- international bank of Daddy, and uh-huh. but but and I was out of state tuition, and his patience was wearing thin. So fair enough. <laughs> so in order to not be saddled with college debt for the rest of my existence, uh, which I totally would have been given my how my career path uh, evolved. Um, yeah, I, I need an extra. I need like one class. and It took me like three extra months. It sucked. But what, what, whatever it happened. Um, anyway, I got just out in the weeds there for a second. Um, but an- <laughs> uh, another interesting thing they mention is that context doesn't seem to matter when it comes to hard seltzer. Um, The article cites a study done by Generation Lab where they asked what students um, were drinking in one of four situations. Um, Casual drinking alone, right? Casual drinking with a few friends, uh, pre-gaming, and parties. Now Now, the interesting thing is that wine, beer, and liquor all had wildly fluctuating results. Which, you know, again, makes sense if you think about liquor, for example. There ain't a lot of people who do line up shots of hard liquor alone as they, you know, they don't do that much as they do when they party, right? Yeah. Um, But hard seltzer held steady among all these scenarios between 13 and 16% across any situation. So... Whether regardless if you're drinking alone or you're at a big party, about thirteen to sixteen percent were that would favor hard seltzer in that situation. Okay. So, um, just the change in preference alone is likely is likely to drastically affect the amount of cake parties. Although, quick side note, and this is where we get back to what you brought up. The one thing Infante did learn was that there was one context where beer held universal sway, and that was drinking games. You play drinking games with beer, full stop. You do not play drinking games with seltzer. It's not right. It's not Christian, I would go so far as to say. I have played a couple drinking games where you have liquor in the middle. Right. Uh, but but you're primarily yeah. drinking beer. And that, that was the interesting thing they found out is when, you know, people be drinking hard seltzer, but if they're playing a drinking game, they grab a beer and sip on a hard seltzer, I assume. There's always there's always that. Yeah. Um, but there is – so if you're, like, looking at all this going – and I don't know. I, and I, the uh, – one ahead. thing 
the cost of hard seltzer, I think, will always keep it from being a drinking game component. Oh, so you hit upon the, the hit upon the idea because I mean, if you're if you're thinking about all this going, oh, you know, and lamenting the like the loss of. I don't know some great college tradition of being held upside down and you know jamming beer down your throat, and if you're if you're nostalgic for that, I, I'm not sure what to do about you. Um, it's hey, great. It was a great time. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I'm nostalgic for that. Of course, then again, you know, we 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 know my record when it comes to chugging. So, and my personal opinion of it, it has not changed <laughs> in you know 20 years, um, but. Um, if you are looking at that with a measure of nostalgia, um, the one thing that you can say that will probably keep, you know, the good old fashioned kegger alive is kind of what you mentioned. That is economy. Um, another constant, most college kids are fucking broke. So when choosing a beverage to fool a night of Bacchanal excess in a morning of regret, a 12 pack of seltzer runs about 30 bucks, a 30 rack Mm -hmm. of natty light. 15 and a keg of that same god awful swill about 80 bucks. I was going to say PBR used to be $85 when I was in college and we'd go fucking grab a keg of it. Um bottom line is it likely there are fewer keggers going out going on on college campuses? Yeah. Yeah, this this probably there's probably fewer. And all the forces and trends from uh these stories that they mentioned in the article seem to suggest that um that there is few. I mean, uh, they he interviewed quite a few uh, students, either recent graduates or uh, or people still in college, and most of them report like, yeah, we don't. It's not something we really put together anymore. But um, if for no other reason than they are a means of getting totally fucked up on the cheap, there will always be a place for the half barrel in those little red Dixie cups, at least for the foreseeable future. So. Rest Who easy. Uses Dixie cups, solo cups, bro. Sorry, solo. They cups. will still happen, but they will happen on the I think the smaller scale kegger where it's only 10, 20 people hanging out in a small little party is dead. I just the how, huge uh... rager where <laughs> there's 150, 200 people at your house uh and you have three half barrels will still live. Because how else are you going to inebriate that many people? But the smaller scale parties, everyone's just going to BYOB it. And there won't be a keg. And then you'll need the megaphone. Only a couple times. (laughs) Long story short, Tyler needed a a megaphone to sometimes break up some of his more Bacchanal orgies. I bought best purchase ever. Had a friend who was working at Radio Shack. Sold me at the employee cost a full police megaphone, half mile voice radius, and a siren on it. Uh, best hundred bucks I ever fucking spent. <laughs> oh wow, you just uh, you just showed your age by saying Radio Shack, you old fuck. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, All right, Tyler, what's next? Well, is this a brewery for ants? <laughs> A quality reference, quality reference. <laughs> well, found an article from the takeout. At least it would um, be at least twice this big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you're wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, Zoolander of, turns 20 this year. Sorry, speaking of, of, of showing our age. 
uh, Zoolander turns 20 this year. If you don't know what Zoolander is, Google it and then watch the movie. You're welcome. Don't watch the second one. Watch the original one. They made a second one? Oh, yeah. I refuse to watch it out of spite, though. I heard it sucked. I, I, I'm not going to run off to, to go watch it because I can't, I, I can't fathom how that would have been good. And I feel like if it was good, someone would have said, oh, you really should watch that by now. Yeah. So, uh, Hop Valley Brewing out of Eugene, Oregon, uh, is making a brewery for ants. Uh, it's a miniature tricked out replica of Hop Valley Brewing. Uh, and it's a part of a giveaway that includes a $5,000 prize. Uh, so here's the press release. They said here at hot Valley, we're a brewery for everyone, even ants. So the ant farm b- brings to life our favorite pieces of the human sized brewery, but slightly smaller, like stools in the tap room, cryo hops, freezing in the back, tiny beer tanks, tie dye couch, and more. Um, so if you're thinking, how do I get myself a brewery ant farm? All you have to do is by the end of October 1st, so the day we're releasing this episode, you better hurry. <laughs> say, ants, you, better, you, better, you better pull the fuck over and, and get on this. Text ANTS to 90464 for a chance to win. Uh, and the winner will take home uh, the ant brewery, as well as a mini fridge, uh, that actually looks kind of cool. Uh, decked out hot Valley tie dye mini fridge, or there is another prize and it's $5,000 towards a trip to visit the full size brewery in Oregon. So there's a couple different prices you could win. Uh, but if one of our listeners wins this ant farm, you got to bring it on the podcast. <laughs> Got it. C- complete with ants. Complete with ants. Uh, they do not provide the beer for the mini fridge that goes under the ant farm or the ants for the ant farm. But we can find beer and ants. <laughs> I mean, again, if we can, back to referencing your college uh, house, I feel like you can find both those things. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want ants? This is how you get ants, okay? <laughs> That's basically everything Tyler did throughout his entire college career. This is how you get ants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. So, yeah, that's about it. But I wanted a good chuckle and a Zoolander reference. and uh... <laughs> C- Certainly provided that, yes. So, someone te- pull over right now, text... When it's all beer, that ant farm. <laughs> all right. Well. Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? What the fuck? You discontinued my favorite beer news now. Uh, Tyler, what is your favorite beer that's not made anymore? Well, it did make a comeback this year, but it was Odell's Jean, and I was pissed when they fucking discontinued it. I physically... <laughs> Was angered. But they brought it back for a little while. And it's such a delicious beer. That was a good one. Yeah, I do remember. I was... I made so many people so sad when I had to tell people that there would be no more Lou Jean. Yeah. 
that one that one hurt yeah um um my thoughts go to a couple places one wouldn't think one of them actually is also odale their original incarnation of mountain standard not the hazy shit right the uh, I was never I'm not a huge black IPA fan. Neither was I, but I realized as I'm like sitting here thinking about like two beers that have gone away that I really missed. Both of them were black IPAs. The other one was Wookie Jack. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I missed those two beers. I when I'm when I'm thinking about like two beers that have that have ceased being brewed that I really kind of missed. Those are the two that came to mind. I don't know why. Maybe it was power suggestion. Black IPA is brought up in this uh, in this article, but I don't know. Um, but when a favorite beer goes away, it often leaves the imbiber feeling betrayed, abandoned, maybe so angry they could punch Lost. a midget. <laughs> <laughs> Just basically Tyler. Um, there is Jeremy. Re- did you hit a little person? <laughs> Not recently. Um, there's rarely any explanation except for an empty hole where their favorite beer used to be. Well, earlier this summer, um, Mother Earth posted something on their blog, uh, that I found extremely interesting. Um, and it was six of their discontinued beers, along with an explanation as to why they had to go away. Um, and I found it fascinating as it kind of gave... Gave the public a little bit of insight as to what other factors besides just the liquid go into deciding your production schedule. How do you choose what beers are going to stay in production and what beers you kind of have to let go? And for a lot of them, it's not simply because, oh, this one kind of sucked. So um, the first one they mentioned was Old Knucker. All right. This was their first... (laughs) IPA, yeah, Old Knucker, uh, A U L D, you know, old, you know, old English, old Knucker. Um, this was an IPA back when they were bitter, malty, loaded down with caramel malts, and so many hops you could feel them claw their way out of your throat with every swallow. Um, it was an IPA from the time I didn't like IPAs because they were basically a dick measuring contest amongst brewers. Yep. Um, they were just like, oh, how many? Oh, we got 300 IP. Oh, we got 600 IP. Stop it, you sick fucks. Um, <laughs> people came to their goddamn senses, and I'm so happy. Um, and they started making IPA that didn't taste like caramel-coated lawn clippings. Um, but with this change in uh, taste, Knucker went away. Also, uh, people kept saying Knuckler. Uh, which annoyed the 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 beer tenders at their tasting room. So, um, the first one to go, knucker. All right, it went knuckle deep on that one. <laughs> knucker deep. Ah. <laughs> next one. Next, the pinup <laughs> pale. Um, and here's a second uh, an entry for well, the style moved on. Mother Earth. Um, wasn't the first brewery to feel obligated to brew a pale ale when they started up. Um, it, was, it was basically one of the things that the uh, that every brewery, I think, every brewery had. Yeah, uh, you 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 had a you had a blonde, you had a pale, you had an IPA, you had a porter or a stout, and that's what you did. You know, maybe an amber in there thrown in for good measure, right? Um, yeah. 
But and that was also when you know pale ale and IPA were two distinct styles. There was IPA, which was like this caramely malty, you know, hop kick to the back of the throat, right? And then there was pale ale, which was softer, uh, more less inspired by American excess and more uh, a, a nod to their its British um, uh, origins, right? Uh, but again, tastes evolved, and IPA found a more balanced footing. Pale ale essentially became session IPA, um, and thus the idea of a pale ale kind of became redundant. And another big reason, though, besides just the style moved on, was grocery sales, um, a place where people are shopping for the medicinal effects of, of beer as much as the flavor. Um, and if you're looking yep. at two beers, one is 5%, the other is 7%, and they both cost the same. Do the math. Yeah. This was- and I feel like grocery is the great... Grocery accounts and chain accounts are that great deciding factor of what gets the axe and what doesn't. Exactly. Um because I mean when you're especially when you're relying on that sort of volume to move beer, um and your IPA is, you know, flying off the shelf and your pale ale is just sitting there getting old, you know, it becomes a pretty obvious decision. Um mm-hmm. so bottom line, this pale, like many, many other pale ales, just ceased to sell and went into the into the uh, aisle of misfit beers. Um I'm going to take a pause here because I actually switched beers myself. Um, I went to the off-color beer for brunch. Um, it is a Berliner Weiss with orange Chard- and Chardonnay grape juice. So, the mimosa. Basically a beer, mos- a be- a beer mimosa. I was going to say a beer mimosa, but that's actually a thing. Um, this is a mm-hmm. beer version of a mimosa. Um, it is, say, the, the is, they said the secret ingredients... Um, orange, Chardonnay, grape juice, and at least an hour wait. <laughs> um, and it's, uh. it's nice. It's, um, when I first cracked it open and took a couple drinks, um, there's a complexity to the tartness. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of, um, acidic acid in there as well, which kind of give it more of like a, a farmhouse style flavor. Um, so the sour okay. is nice and complex. Orange is very prominent. I get the I, I get the, the 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 grape background. You get a little bit of that like appley, perry, you know, uh, fruit um, in the back. And yeah, I beer for brunch. That that is correct. That that is exactly what this beer is. Well done. Off nice. Um, like it better than beer for. I mean, beer for ball games. Yeah, that's what you need. You need a light beer. This is. I, I need some, I need some fucking pancakes. Let's. I, I'm, I'm, this has been it's all beer. I'm gonna make pancakes. Um. Anyway, I would do an omelet, but that's just me. <laughs> all right. Anyway, where were we? Yes, the third beer on their list. Uh, you might remember this one, the Honcho Hefeweizen. Yes, I do. Yeah, that was one of the. It was one of the uh, uh, the beers that came into town when um, Mother Earth first came to Boise. Um, it was one of the regular ones, but it fell victim to a trifecta of wounds. First, the reality of brewery efficiency. Bavarian wheat beers are delicious. They really are. 
but there's only really one thing you can brew with a Bavarian wheat yeast. And when every one of your beers <laughs> brews with the same yeast, except for one, and the sales of that, that one... That beer becomes expensive. Right. I mean, and and if, that, if the sales from that one beer are okay, well, it sort of makes sense to streamline, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, there, and there, and then there's the other two problems come in first, Bavarian wheat beers are just not a style people are clamming, clamoring for, which is a shame. They are delicious. I don't, I don't get American wheat beers. I just don't. They just, they taste like a cream ale or anything else (laughs) with no offense, no offense meant to Widmere, but they do. Um, and it did okay on draft, but in package, it just wasn't the seller and they suspect part of the reason might have been the label. Jet black with a day glow mobster on it. Do you remember it? Yep. It just Rolling dice. It just doesn't scream light, refreshing, flavorful German wheat beer. It screams when we're going to find you, we're going to break your fucking legs. So. Yeah. It didn't sell. It was expensive to brew. That one went away. Now. The next one on their list is actually more than one beer. It was the Resignator series. You probably remember that one too. Was it was actually three beers, but they all shared. Because Hop Diggity was on that, right? Hop Diggity was on it, but they decided to spare that one. Um, the it was the other because they had a rotating. Uh, they had four rotating beers, right? The idea was, um, you know, basically a seasonal. That's not a seasonal. Um, yep, but. The where these beers fell was basically well marketing, brewery growth and marketing. Um, these things came out around 2017, so just after that really heady peak of craft beer, when all the distributors kind of went to all their breweries and said, "Okay, you crazy kids, we know you want to put out a new fucking beer every day, but give us like five that we can sell, okay? That we can sell continuously." <laughs> um. And Mother Earth, they had a lot of IPAs um, that they thought were all too good to give up, um, or at least without a fight. And those were Say When, The Power of Love, Kismet, and as you mentioned, um, Hop Diggity. Uh, so, yes. that's when, so that's when they, they hit upon this idea of, well, okay, we'll keep those in rotation. Um, and it was like, to me, if I remember, it was like the first seasonal, that's not a seasonal that I remember, like the first brewery that i remember i don't think it was the first brewery in the country that did it by any stretch but it was the first one that i remember in this market that tried this like rotating series um, yeah where it's not tied to a season they say we're gonna produce x amount and when that's gone it'll then be this um which you might actually have some insight on because if i'm not mistaken your brewery is still doing a rotating series if i'm am i correct Yes, we do a couple actually. So, uh, so let me. Uh, I mean, we have like a, you have your seasonals, which are kind of tied, but you also do like a hoppy rotator. Um, yep. So you might have some insight as to you know as to their problems on this. Um, this idea to them appeared to create as much confusion as it alleviated. Um, not to mention the challenge with keeping beer fresh and rotating. Um, at the end of the day. It just wasn't worth the effort to try to uh, to keep keep one you know to get one beer off the shelf. So you can get another one, timing that correctly, and 
trying to educate people as to why the, you know, say when is where the power of love should be? Uh, I think so on the part of the transitions, mm-hmm. it's a bitch, even with the best planning <laughs> and like looking, you walk into a store that you're like, okay, this should be this beer now. And you're like, motherfucker, they still haven't got it on the shelf yet. <laughs> it's a complete cunt of an issue. But there's there's no predicting it. There's Some stores sell faster than others. It's the problem you're going to have with rotators. Um, I feel, though, at least from the brewery I have, it we don't really run into a lot of the issues with, well, why is this here when it should be this beer? Or why is say when there, when I thought it was going to be power of love or whatever, um, is most people have kind of started to grasp that. And I think enough breweries have that rotator that people have started to learn it. Um, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, um, I mean, in my, in, in my experience with, um, with, you know, with grocery, um, I can definitely having tried to explain with the customer and I was the, you know, the beer guy. So you had a, you had a guy kind of dedicated to trying to explain this. No, no, no. You know, that beer you like is this part of a rotating seasonal. So come back in a year, which oddly pissed some people off. I don't know. But anyway. They decided that it wasn't worth the effort. Um, um, they would rather just go ahead, keep hop diggity, and send the rest packing. So, and I think an advantage we have over what they have is those rotators are mainly here locally, where they had those around the country. And so, if someone's like, "Hey, where is that?" They're like, "Well, I'll just swing by and talk to the brewery or send the brewery a message on Facebook." And we're able to address that a little easier. So, um, the next one on the list was uh, "Call Me Ginger." Uh, I that was in their mix pack for a long time. Sometimes you try something and it just doesn't work. Uh, "Call Me Ginger" was something Mother Earth brewed to pair with food. Specifically, it was a challenge by a sushi restaurant, and at first it really went well. And they decided, "Oh, what the hell? Let's." can it and try to make it part of our, you know, a wider part of our uh, distribution. Problem is, they already had one of the most popular beers in the lighter category, right? Cali Creamin. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, a, basically a, a vanilla soda beer. Uh, and people, to this day, still yep. love the living fuck out of it. Um, I think I, I heard somewhere that Mother Earth is one of the biggest uh, buyers of vanilla in the country. For this beer. I, I can believe that. Um, but so they already had a beer that really rocked this category for them. And thus, they never really could find a fan base, you know, wider for uh, for Call Me Ginger. So into the bin. It and I feel, I feel like ginger beer already has a more niche market anyways. So it was kind of screwed from Jump Street. Right. Um. The next one, probably where I uh, where where uh, the uh, I got fixated, the Crucible, 
the Black IPA. And speaking of those heady days of like, oh, around 2015, 2016, when people were throwing hops into everything and just to see what happened. Um, hops were very much the sriracha of beer ingredients uh, and brewers were the adorable <laughs> grandmother claiming they put that shit on everything. For like a week, everyone had a black IPA. Mother Earth described them, and I'm quoting here, probably regarded as one of man's biggest failures and the beer industry's deepest regrets. <laughs> Which is a little, a little harsh, but I take their meaning. I mean, <laughs> black IPA was always more of a no- an anomaly than anything else. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I, like, occasionally I'm like, I want a black IPA, and it's fantastic when I have it. That's maybe once a year. Uh, I don't want that level of roast and that with my hops. I It's never clicked for me. Well, I think at the time, I developed a dislike for them because, well, first of all, most breweries just did it because... It was the trend. It was the latest trend, and everybody was following the latest trend, right? Not because mm-hmm. they were all that interested in, like, you know, trying to make that weird combination of roasted barley and bitter hops work. They just saw a fad and hopped on the bandwagon because it's kind of what you did. And I don't blame anybody for trying, you know, trying to do that. But so many of the black IPAs that were being produced during that time were just kind of shit. And they mm-hmm. didn't. And ha- I think the hop. The hops that were popular at that time didn't lend themselves to roast either. And th- and there's there's something you have to you know, I, and I couldn't tell you because I haven't looked into it because I have no interest in blo- brewing a black IPA. Um, but there's some balance, some alchemy, some prayer to the right God that you need to do in order to get that really fragile truce between roasted barley and hops to go through, right? Yeah. Um, when they are, when, when they're, when it's off and it has to be, it's, if it's off by a little bit, they suck. But when they are just in perfect harmony, they are amazing. It's probably why I miss, why when I was thinking about beers I miss, uh, those were two came to mind because, uh, Mountain Standard and Wookie Jack were spectacular. Um, but, um, (laughs) They were they like so many other beers from that BJCP 2015 guideline that we are still using to this day. By the way, BJCP, update your fucking guidelines. You said you're gonna do it every three years. It's been six now. <laughs> Get on it. Just saying. Sorry. Um. Anyway, <laughs> just that's my little soapbox. Um. They were a product of an industry that was very much growing. They were trying a little bit of everything. Um, and Mother Earth, well, they definitely jumped on that bandwagon. Um, they put out this beer, the Crucible. I think it was popular for a day. Uh, and then everybody lost interest in black IPAs, and they realized they'd fucked up, and they moved on. So there you go. <laughs> it, you know, out to pasture, it went, it, they, it went to a farm somewhere. That's what they told their customers. Um, but or yeah. you could say it didn't pass the crucible. <laughs> uh, that's why we keep you on the podcast, Tyler. 
Well, so it was named after the final test all Marines have to go through because they're right by Camp Pendleton. So it was a little play for the Marine Corps. I got it. Well, I didn't know that was... I don't oh. know if that was what they named that afterwards. I'm not sure if they uh, named... I, Do you think that's what... The, I'm sure that's what they named it because I know I remember seeing on Mother Earth's Facebook one time that the owner, Dan, was uh, there to speak to the Marines when they finished oh. the Crucible one time. So I'm assuming they named it after that test. It's a little bit awkward uh, uh, naming one of your failed beers after that, but hey, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> I would you, not- you didn't know it was going to fail at the time? <laughs> I black IPAs, not nah, even from. I was gonna say, I'm like, even back then, I said these are gonna go away, and thank the gods. <laughs> uh. But anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, um, if you're on this coast, maybe there's an explanation as to what happened to one of your favorite beers. If not, maybe a little insight into the forces and trends that stabs a beer to death in its sleep. So. You know, I do like that Mother did this. I think more breweries should actually start incorporating it, this. It would be interesting to, it just, yeah, to have an explanation for a lot of why. Because I have no explanation for Wookie Jack or, or why they changed Mountain Standard. I'd like to have one. Yeah. You know, and, and, so. it, probably, and it could just be. Well, they, they didn't. And a lot of it is it didn't sell. And, you know, I, I think you mm-hmm. are uh, definitely in touch with that. Like you're saying, listen, I mean, if you want to buy two pallets, we'll, we'll brew it for you. But other than that, um, mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. Also, another beer heartbroken about Java the Hop oh from Fort God. George. I forgot. And I asked the rep because I ran into the Fort George rep at the East Oregon Beer Fest this year. And I was like, dude, I really wish he's like. Yeah, it just, like, it sold really well in the tap room, but it just didn't sell too well in other markets. And we were just, didn't have tank space for it. And if it was only selling well in the tap room, we just scrapped it so we had tank space for other things. He's like, but we got a new brew system. We're using our old brew system as a pilot system, kind of. He's like, so it may be coming back. So pray to the gods that it comes back. Um, There's another, yeah, like, the couple of beers mixed with coffee. That was the first one I had. I'm like, oh my God, that should not work, but it does so well. I don't understand what is happening in my mouth right now. Um, but I love it. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. That was uh, spectacular. So, um, yeah, uh, Fort George, you need to brew that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, maybe, a maybe an explanation as to, uh, as to, uh, uh, where your favorite beers may have gone. Uh, Tyler, uh, do you have anything else to add today? Yes. So we've spent a lot of time on this podcast shit-talking hazy IPAs. We have. Well, And drinking hazy IPAs. Sometimes <laughs> while shit-talking yes. them. We're, we're self-loathing, okay? Uh, you're, so, you're always going to become what you hate, which is why me and Tyler practice self-loathing. Yep. Uh, so... Austin Beer Works tweeted out uh, the other day that they plugged Untapped's top 100 hazy IPAs into a machine learning algorithm and then asked it to create its own beer. This is what it popped out. Uh, The beer will be titled The Infernal Fortitude Hazy IPA (laughs) 6.9%. 
ABV. Was the, was, the, uh, was the name also a product of machine learning? Oh, I think the whole beer oh, is machine learning oh, from the top 100. What, uh, which, to which it probably said, I don't know what these humans are doing. Pick two random words that are polysyllabic. So here is the full description of the beer. Okay. Bingo and Zimzam hops smash your mouth with a pillowcase stuffed with pineapples and mango skin. Fluffy clouds rain juice, but you are protected by an umbrella of wheat and oats. Ghosts whisper in the New England countryside. Available now, sold out. <laughs> oh, wow. And the funny, I mean, and, and I and, and I immediately think of um, the last three way with their ridiculous description of that beer, and I'm like, yes, that is. <laughs> so I, I want to take a quick second and break down the description a little more for those of you who couldn't hear over Jeremy's crying laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bango and Zimzam aren't actual hops. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yet. They will be. Uh, smash your mouth with a pillowcase stuffed with pineapples and mango skin. So this beer is going to full metal jacket your ass. <laughs> You're getting a code red in your mouth. <laughs> uh, and then fluffy clouds are going to rain juice, but you're protected by wheat and oats and an umbrella. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's just a beer golden shower. That's what that is. That's it's a bukkake of a hazy IPA, uh, <laughs> which actually sounds nice in a weird way. And then apparently, ghosts will whisper in the New England countryside. I don't know where they got ghosts from. Uh, I mean. I, actually, the funny thing, what, the, the, what makes it so brilliant is I've heard, like, pillowy. I mean, I've heard all these words in oh, some context. Except ghost. Ghost is a... I, I, I do want to know where that where, where that computer, like, dug up ghost. Yeah. Uh, available now, sold out. <laughs> that is the ultimate description for all these haze boys and fuckwads that only want to buy the new hot hazy IPA that they have to stand in line and they're like it sold out in an hour but I got some um, I remember I was uh, trolling through a beer Twitter a few days ago and I uh, stumbled upon I don't know it's just a random uh, tweet that said something along the effect of um, uh, for for Halloween this year I'm going as a hazy IPA so people will just throw money at me for no reason. <laughs> and then when I blow up in a can, everyone will defend me. You're thinking of a puree, a fruit puree beer, so you don't have oh, that problem damn. as much with hazy IPAs. If, so long as your so long as your sanitation is um, not a complete shit show, you shouldn't have a problem with uh, exploding cans. Fair enough. That being said, I am going as a fruit puree beer for Halloween um, this year, so I can just walk into people's houses and throw shit all over the house. <laughs> and they should thank you before because it's their fault they didn't keep me at refrigerated temperature. I will say uh, as I'm spraying. No, I'm, I'm going as this. I'm going as this hazy IPA, so I can hit someone with a pillowcase stuffed with pineapples and mango skins. <laughs> Mango skins. That's the. I mean, clear, I mean, no, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense because orange peel, lemon peel, etc. Mango skins. Ah. <laughs> oh.
Well done, Austin Beerworks. Absolutely well done. I, I, I sing your praises. This was brilliant. <laughs> so I sent Jeremy a couple screenshots of those. So if he can get it posted, you can see or go check out Austin Beerworks Twitter. They're worth a follow. Um, and uh, uh, this has been uh, It's All Beer. If you want to see those screenshots, uh, you can check us out on Instagram. That's where I post all of the weird pictures that we come across um, in our travels, so to speak. Um, I also have a welcome Twitter. Uh, it's all beer one. Um, and we're on Facebook. Uh, there you can kind of keep up with what we're reading, what we're discussing, um, and when new episodes are coming out. And, uh, if you, uh, want to send us some shit, uh, uh, stories that we need to look into, opinions, um, dick pics, uh, you can send them to, uh, it's all beer at gmail.com, except for the dick pics, um, send them directly to Tyler, uh, your email address. Come on, you got the code. Jeremy loves big dick. <laughs> Come on, 69. Tyler, you, you've got the cat pillowcase.com. <laughs> you've got the COVID. What else are you looking forward to? So, you know what? Just go ahead and send that email address. I'll send your dick pics on to Tyler because I know uh, he needs. He's gonna need that uh, extra uh, 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 help to get through this trying time. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, while you're and while you're taking a picture of your dick to send to Tyler, uh, give us a rating. Um, you know, five stars because I think uh, you know this was you know the podcast equivalent of being beaten over the head with a pillowcase full of mango skins and pineapple. <laughs> and I will let you choose whether or not that's a good thing or not. And I think uh, that'll be quite enough for us. Um, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, coming soon and sold out. Uh, let's rain some juice.